Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They called me Ben. We are joined with our returning, uh, the, the fourth member of our, uh, the fourth member of our podcast enterprise. Uh, folks, give a hand for uh, super producer Paul Deccant, who has uh, just just come back to Atlanta from uh, some adventures abroad, which I don't know how much we want to disclose on air. Yeah, he's yeah he's saying stop, stop, stop talking okay. about that. Okay. He's making that cutthroat kind of finger across the throat gesture. Hint taken. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Hold everything. Hold the phone. Stop the presses. This is a part two episode, which means that if you want to get the whole uh, bang for your creepy buck today, you'll want to listen to Famous Tombs Part One. Uh, then Famous Tombs Part One has some pretty. Pretty crazy insights. Uh, while you're there, you may also want to listen to our Genghis Khan episode, which inspired all of this. I have one quick uh, – Paul, can we get like a breaking news sound cue? Perfect. One quick uh, clarification we want to make. Uh, when we did our 
we did our episode on the ants cult in the Czech Republic. Uh, we had some uh, – It's called the Kurum case. Kurum case, yes. That's correct. Thank you. Uh, we had some confusion. We didn't explicitly say it. Both of the boys in that case did in fact survive and I believe it was me at some point who said I believe one of them died. It's a translation error on my part. So to be clear – there is a little bit of a happy ending for those kids. They did they did make it. They survived in, into adulthood. They've got Facebooks, the whole nine. Yeah, just in case you survived that episode because uh, <laughs> it is a it is a gnarly one. Um, but yeah, that, that's – thank you, Ben. That's important to know. Oh, thanks to everyone on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and so on who wrote to us to ask for clarification or point that out. Uh, without further ado, assuming you've heard Famous Tombs Part 1, here's where it gets crazy. We're starting right with getting crazy at the top? Yeah. Well, this was originally supposed to be just one episode. No, so. it's true. It's Let, true. Let's, let's break it down. There are a lot of people that died, a mm-hmm. lot more people than are currently living, and well, not that have ever lived, and, because obviously if you died, you lived. And, and spoiler alert, everyone who's alive right now, gonna die. Oh. Possibly. Probably, but not definitely. And also, it's hard to uh, bury everybody. Not everybody was buried. Mm-hmm. So only some of the most important people are going to have tombs that remain from hundreds of years ago. That's where we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even those tombs uh, didn't fare as well as their creators had hoped, right? Look upon my works, ye mighty, and so on. So it, it's strange. There, there is one surprise that I found that maybe we can save till the end. But let's let's start with um, let's start with lost grave sites, right? Was that where we, that's where we were earlier, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we had a whole category to start fresh with. So, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, you've you've probably heard of him, right? Mozart in the jungle, Mozart in the city. I was confusing with Beethoven for oh. no good reason. Uh, Beethoven's the one who went deaf. That's right. Yeah. Mozart was like the magic flute, the Zauber flute. <laughs> he was also, he was living a wild rock star life. I didn't know this, but he had tons of mistresses. Uh, his wife actually kicked him out of the, uh, of the house they shared together. And there was a great comic I saw on a recent Netflix series uh, who described Mozart's lifestyle and pointed out how difficult it would be in the time in which he lived for your wife to kick you out of the house, like the bar for behavior, given, you know, patriarchal attitudes was so low that you really had to be going ham and bacon. You know, I've never seen Amadeus. It's great. Yeah? Yeah, it's a good film. Salieri, that was like his nemesis, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. They were beefed up, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while since I saw it, but it's masterful performance, I think. Yeah. It's no Police Academy 4. But what is? Exactly. You know? I mean, even Police Academy didn't have their stride until well after Police Academy 3. What happened in 4? Hmm? What happened in 4? You have to watch it, man. Really? Yeah. It's just, I don't want to cheapen the cinematic experience for you. They all kind of run together in my mind. I, I may have only How ever dare seen. You? F- I may have only <laughs> ever seen Police Academy 1. Whoa. Wow. I'm sorry, Dude, guys. Well, Am I fired? No, yeah. we should get together and watch those and then just watch all of them, then not stop and watch all of the Naked Gun series. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's only two Naked Gun movies. Uh, 33 uh, and a 33 third, and sir. a third. I'm so sorry. They mm-hmm. all kind of blur together in my mind, too. And then watch Amadeus, which <laughs> is sort of go. the spiritual 
uh, companion piece <laughs> to Naked Gun 33 and a third exactly. and Police Academy 4. Okay. And then get back to Lost Tombs Part 2. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart remains one of the most influential classical composers of all time. That's not hyperbole. The guy was just that good. Uh, he died on December 5th in 1791. And maybe this is unfamiliar to a lot of people, but the circumstances of his death remain murky today. And there are over 100 theories about what happened. Whoa. Especially for someone that, you know, I'm 1791 is a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. It's not as though there wasn't somebody looking at his body after his death and going, that's probably this. But again, when you're dealing with something about poison or something that kills you internally in 1791, then it's probably a lot more difficult. It's true. Yeah, a ton of people thought he had been poisoned because, again, he was living wild. Well, he probably had a lot of uh, perhaps spurned lovers. <laughs> mm. Right. May have sought revenge. Mm-hmm. Maybe he contracted something from his wild lifestyle. Oh, that's possible. Quite possible, yeah. Uh, maybe he just had, you know, at this time in human history – it's disturbingly easy for what we would consider a common everyday infection to grow unchecked and kill you, you know, Mm -hmm. like uh, an infectious disease like rheumatic fever, so on. So Mozart died and that is where our story about Mozart begins, off to a great note. Uh, The records seem to indicate that he was sealed in a wooden coffin and buried in a plot along with four to five other people. And that there was a wooden marker used to identify this, technically speaking, mass grave. That is so strange to me that he didn't – wasn't in like um, a place that was venerated a little bit more. Um, hmm. Very strange. But anyway, this idea that he was you know, perhaps buried with several other people, it gave rise to the commonly accepted myth that he was buried in a pauper's grave, what was known as a pauper's grave at the time, a um, – a less wealthy person's grave, specifically because of the debts that he'd accrued over the course of his pretty crazy life that yeah. we've talked about. Probably, was it like party debts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those royalties never got to come in for Mozart, really. That's true. And didn't he largely exist on kind of a uh, like a patronage kind of model when he was alive? Yeah, I believe so. Ye artist model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he is – he's buried – not the best financial situation. And this idea, this idea of interring our loved ones with four to five other people might today be something that we associate with poverty or with crime. You know Mm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's how a merciless government or a drug cartel, uh, if those things are still different uh, today, that's how they would bury people. That's not how decent folks bury people, right? But this was the standard practice for middle-income families at the time. This, his death is murky and unexplained, but his burial was surprisingly normal, right? Mm-hmm. So the burial of groups of people in one grave was organized um, and dignified, um, and it differed significantly from the images of large open pits. Now, 
that you think of when the term mass grave gets thrown around. Uh, Mozart may not have died rich, but he was admired. Um, he had friends, and they came to his widow's aid. They helped her pay his debts and his funeral costs. There was many large graveside gatherings and grand funerals um, were not really a thing to do in Vienna during this period. So Mozart's burial was uh, likely very simple, but a church service was certainly held in his honor. And he was buried as a man of his social standing would have been at the time. Um, At this point, Mozart had a grave. However, at some stage during the next five to 15 years, his plot was dug up to make room for more burials. Wow. Yeah. This is a practice they picked up uh, combating epidemics and plagues. (laughs) And eventually we have to make more room for the dead so that the living can live. The bones were reinterred. They may have been crushed to reduce their size. And as a consequence of this, the position of Mozart's grave was lost. Again, this we're paying more attention to this because it was Mozart, this amazing mm-hmm. composer. This was also a fairly common practice for someone living in Vienna at the time. And some historians have suggested that maybe there's a little bit of a PR uh, spin here, a bit of post-mortem propaganda. And I had never heard this at all before. Really? Yeah, this was this was new to me as well. Uh, the idea is that Mozart's widow, Constance, may have encouraged the pauper's burial story or even started it uh, to make the public more interested in her husband's work and then to come see her perform Mozart's uh, pieces, his com- compositions. It sounds like something that you might hear about in the social media age where Oof. you, you know, you start a video or something about, oh my gosh, my loved one died and they were just put here and these are the terrible circumstances that we're going through. But check this out while I sing this song that my loved one that just died wrote mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can find on iTunes right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we know okay we know that's quite possible depending on what your uh your base level estimation of human ethics might be you know and there are a lot of there are a lot of circumstances that are probably lost to history uh we do know that grave space was at a premium back then it's still a problem that local um municipal organizations in the area have to worry about frankly and people were given one grave for a few years then moved to an all purpose smaller area but Here's here's one strange thing. We may have lost Mozart's grave, but someone may have his skull. Is it Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yeah, he has it in his pyramid. It's right next to his T-Rex skull. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a uh, okay, let's let's get to the real thing here. It's called the Salzburg Mozartium. That's kind of cool. Mozartium? Yeah, Mozartstrasse, right? Mm-hmm. In Salzburg. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, they were presented with this pretty morbid gift at one point, and it's supposedly Mozart's skull. Interesting. But yeah. surely unconfirmed. Unconfirmed, but looking good. Yeah. Who, who uh, the, the skull belonged to someone who died in a way that's consistent with Mozart's symptoms before death. What were those buttons we talked about in the last episode? Thomas Paine's. Thomas Paine's buttons. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a thing where you could probably confirm roughly the age of the skull and how this person met their end 
But don't we also not really know how Mozart died? There was no trauma to the skull or anything. It was Yeah, he had symptoms that were he had symptoms upon which we could build a couple of theories for death. Uh, poison doesn't really check out mm-hmm. in in this scenario, but here's how the story goes, and this is already sort of a legend. Allegedly, a grave digger during the reorganization of Mozart's original grave was struck by a pang of conscience and said, "I, you know, I can't let Mozart's skull go gently into that good night, rage, rage, etc." And he took the skull. He stole it, essentially. Scientific testing so far has not been able to confirm or deny that the skull belonged to Mozart. But, and this goes back to what you were asking, Noel, there's evidence on the skull to determine uh, that whomever originally was the, I guess, possessor of this skull, Mm -hmm. whosever skull it was, they died due to something called chronic hematoma, which would be consistent with some of Mozart's symptoms before death. He had a lot of swelling. He had things that looked like maybe not an infection in the kidneys, but his kidneys were um, uh, were not working correctly. Now, even now, there are several medical theories about the exact cause of his death, but people who are using the skull as a basis for those theories have to admit no one no one is 100% sure it's Mozart's skull yet. Yeah, because you'd, you'd have to have another part of the body, right, to test that you could confirm was mm. Mozart to get some DNA from that. Or maybe a descendant. Could well, you yeah. do that? Otherwise, you're using genetic genealogy trying to maybe fit him within a family tree somewhere. Uh, hmm, interesting. I wonder, are there any descendants of Mozart alive and kicking? Are you a descendant of Mozart? <gasps> Let us know. It's not the end of the show. <laughs> it, was a, it, was yeah, it, was, it was a fake out. But there might be a lot more children of Mozart than uh, than are aware, just because of those wild times he was having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Mozart's two surviving sons died without descendants that we know of. And this is the end of Mozart's story, but not our show. Uh, stay tuned. We'll take a brief break for a word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. Okay, so Mozart has a lot of legends surrounding his death, but as we saw, when you when you scrutinize this, a lot of it's normal. Other than the fact that someone apparently stole his skull and have, they've been passing it around for, <laughs> for years. Uh, this next tale concerns someone who is purposely buried in secret in hopes that their body would never be found. And it's a guy named Attila the Hun. But who is that? Who is that, you know? Well, you've definitely heard the name before, but mm. you may only know the broad outlines of, oh, it's Attila Hun. That sounds familiar. It's kind of like that uh, Genghis guy, mm-hmm. right? Not yeah. that Genghis dude, but it sounds like the Genghis <laughs> guy for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, even the most prominent scholars in the field, people who would actually be studying someone like Attila the Hun, consider this person, Attila, an international man of mystery of sorts, not necessarily in Austin Powers, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get in that same ballpark. Yeah, this this guy who appears to have come just out of the blue, or at least his origins are somewhat mur- murky, became an incredibly terrifying and dangerous conqueror in the early fifth century. He led a group of uh, a group of communities that were allied together that were collectively known as the Hunnic Empire and they terrorized the Eastern and Western Roman empires. I love the ideas of communities terrorizing an empire like that. Like, <laughs> Is this like some would be considered clans, some would be tribes, some would be bands, exactly. some would be conscripted slaves. You know? Exactly. It's just a really interesting way to frame it because ultimately that's what those groups are. It's a community of people working together for goals it just happens to be to terrorize it. <laughs> Not quite as vicious as your local HOA from what oh, I understand, right? Nice. But at least the HOA stays in one place. Oh. Do you think that George Lucas was inspired by Attila the Hun when he named Jabba the Hutt? Hmm. I think it's quite just, possible. Just yeah. There. I think it's quite possible. I should hmm. ask him. Yeah. He's kind of hard to get to. He lives in a compound. He doesn't really go outside very much. Okay. Jabba the Hutt? People are still mad about those prequels. 
I read a very this this has not too much to do with today's episode, but just a side note because I don't think we can make a full episode about this. There's a, a fantastic fan theory slash conspiracy theory regarding Jar Jar Binks and the prequels. Yes, the argument being that Jar Jar Binks, when Lucas still had control of the franchise, was originally intended to be revealed as a Sith Lord. You yeah. heard that, Matt? Yeah. You're familiar with that one? And he was literally the key to everything in that first movie. And what eventually he was going to be the key to everything in the whole series. Man, George really liked that character, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He doubled down. You know what I mean? He, there's to each their own, but he, he doubled down. You can see some uh, videos arguing this theory. And I got to admit, I'm not 100% persuaded, but it, it made you think. You it know? really did. <laughs> he certainly ended up being a Sith Lord in our minds. Yes, yes. A Sith Lord in our minds. Or our, in our hearts. In our hearts, <laughs> yeah. So Jar Jar, like Attila the Hun, may well have played a, a mysterious role in history. We know we know uh, a, a pretty good bit about the movements of Attila and co, movements of the Hun, and we know about their military campaigns, but – most of the information about Attila himself comes from his enemies at the time, which we run into a lot. You know, when people people who hunt witches are writing about witches. They're not going to say the nicest thing about witches, right? And most of Hunnic literature compounds the problem because it was passed down orally. So people were just telling stories to each other, playing telephone again, and – Bit by bit, that stuff disappeared or got absorbed into other empires. People still don't agree on exactly where Attila the Hun was from, and they also don't really know what he looked like except for one description, like one paragraph from one guy who went to the court. And people have made entire academic careers off off that paragraph. But fast forward, he was a conqueror. Uh, not not quite as successful probably as Alexander the Great, but a huge threat to the Roman empires at the time, and then he died. <laughs> and then he died. And that's where our story begins. <laughs> yes, exactly. Once again. <laughs> oh, man. Um, he died sometime in March of 453 at a feast celebrating his latest marriage. Uh, and people are still arguing about exactly how he died, surprise, surprise, uh, to this day. And there are uh, four prevailing theories um, about this. Theory number one is that in the midst of this soiree, uh, this revelry, and uh, of course some heavy drinking that accompanied it, he suffered a severe nosebleed and choked to death. Uh, in a drunken, bloody stupor. Gross. You want to hear theory number two? Do you remember the Children of the Corn 2 movie? Oh, I could not tell you anything about that. Well, I just remember there's one part where they have like a voodoo doll of this woman and they they stick a knife in her nose and she gets like a – she bleeds to death from a nosebleed. That's kind of how I picture this going down. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's theory number two, mm. um, that possibly, again, we're talking about heavy drinking at the party and something, there was a complication because of this. But in this case, it's internal bleeding, something called esophageal varices, where these dilated veins in the lower part of the esophagus in your, your neck there, but lower a little bit, they rupture leading to death by bleeding out, hemorrhage, essentially. 
Ah, okay. So like he either bled out in the the nasal area mm-hmm. or in the throat area. That's what we've and got then just so far. Coughing up blood. Yeah. So well, either way, this was super messy. Yeah, it's choking essentially. You yeah. you can't breathe. Yeah, there's this other theory that was recorded about 80 years after his death by a Roman chronicler named Marcellinius. And in that report, he says, Attila, king of the Huns and ravager of the provinces of Europe, was pierced by the hand and blade of his wife. So he said, yeah, his wife killed him. He had just picked up, he was celebrating uh, this his latest marriage, I think we had said earlier, uh, he married pretty frequently. These were political um, alliances at mm-hmm. times. And I'm sure in at least a few cases, these were not consensual marriages. Yeah, Marcillian, Marcillian, Marcillinius? Marcellinius, yeah. Marcellinius did not mention which wife. That's true. I, I think we assumed it was his latest wife or his Maybe. most recent. Uh, and then that last theory is that he was assassinated by Roman officials, which is just a natural thing you would assume because he was a terrorist in their eyes. You know what I mean? Who oh, couldn't yeah. quite be caught. So Yeah. And what were Roman officials good for if not plotting assassinations? Yeah. That was kind of their thing. And it is a big party where there's a lot of heavy drinking. Mm. Again, a little bit of that poison mm. if he looked like he was choking. Yeah. <laughs> and so they say he's dead. He, he explo- Blood exploded out of his face somehow. We don't have no further questions. It's time to bury him. Mm-hmm. So they get a triple um, – I guess a triple leveled or triple shelled coffin – First, it's encased in gold, and that's to show everybody that he was a baller. Uh, no, literally, that he was wealthy and glorious. Wait, is that at the is that at the core? So between him, there's nothing between him and the gold, essentially. Right. Okay. Right. right. And then uh, over the gold, silver, to show that he's down with the moon and the river. Oh, that's good. That he shares kinship with them, right? And then finally, iron to show that he was, most importantly, most outwardly, a tough, tough dude. Nice. So they put some thought into it. But with a heart of gold. But with a heart of gold, quite so, just so. And this this is strange because here's where the story takes a turn. Myth and fact get very difficult to differentiate from this point on. Yeah, it's true. Um, Hun engineers, um, they had those at the time, are said to have diverted the Tisa River long enough to dry up the main riverbed where Attila was entombed in this uh, magnificent sarcophagus. So then the, uh, the, the waters were released and they flooded back over the gravesite. Um, and this is this is a thing we've heard about, actually. I think this was the case with the burial of Genghis Khan as well. Yes, that's um, The folks that bore his casket, his sarcophagus, to that site were then murdered unequivocally. And it's possible they may have even known that that was going to happen, that they were like uh, down with that just for the absolute privilege and honor of being able to carry their their glorious leader um, to his final resting place. At least their immediate family might know, maybe. Or, or it's probably secret, right? Yeah. Maybe they weren't told. You wow. Know? Uh, but they had to know something was up, right? The sarcophagus stood out. And I appreciate you pointing out the similarities with Genghis Khan because there's also that river legend about the Khan, right? So maybe these stories got combined over time. Yeah. Uh, but that is – I mean 
I love that idea that somewhere at the bottom of a river, that's where Attila the Hun rests. It also points to a possible cultural or ancestral commonality between uh, the the Hun community and the Mongol community of some sort, you know, at least in this funereal practice. So, yeah, as, as you said, no details ever emerged. Where exactly is he buried? We don't know. We've heard that he's at the bottom of this river, right? Sleeping with the fishes, sleeping under the fishes, technically. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> that heavy coffin would have sank and quite possibly with untold treasures, right? Yeah. It does make you want to somehow find a way to travel a river and just like with a metal detector or something. Heck yeah. I love <laughs> Uncharted, man. <laughs> Un- uh, untold treasures, but let's speculate. You think there was some like nice neck pieces in there, some chains, Weaponry, some definitely. Okay, weaponry. Like his lucky, not lucky, but you know, whatever's prized uh, sword yeah. or Armor. A spear or something. Yeah. yeah. Probably varied in full armor. Jewels? Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Encrusted? I love it when things are encrusted. Maybe maybe worked bone, carved bone. There you go. Stones. Okay. Things like that, yeah. Maybe a Bed Bath & Beyond card. Mm-hmm. No? Not good enough? Can, can you imagine how much money Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan or somebody would have on a Bed Bath & Beyond card? <laughs> I don't think they paid for things. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's true. I think they would just ride the horse in <laughs> and go reaving. You yeah. Know? Wow. But who knows? Maybe if they had a coupon, that would change it. <laughs> Maybe if they said, well, 20% off, it's virtually free anyway. That's how we fix the world and stop everybody from hurting each other and being so mad. Coupons. Build Bed Bath & Beyonds and just give everybody gift cards. Oh, man. I don't know. You know, I think I I knock that mailer that they send out just because it is so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Like, do you get them at your houses? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah? Yeah. I am a human being, am I not? <laughs> you have a bed, bath, and beyond. Yeah. I've always wondered what the beyond. I guess the beyond is just all the non-bed and bath related items. Kitchen? Yeah. Well, it really depends on the intonation you use when you hit beyond. I think I've mentioned this before, but this is particularly appropriate for this episode. In my hometown, there's a store called Caskets and More. Whoa. I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, and it's, it's the intonation. Yeah. <laughs> but I think with Caskets and More, it's, uh, it's a little more sinister. I love it, though. And – the fact that Attila the Hun's gravesite is lost to history until somebody diverts a river just to see what what veracity there may be to this story, uh, that still hasn't stopped cities, villages, and towns in the area from advertising themselves as the genuine location of the grave of Attila the Hun. So if you'd like to suspend your disbelief just a bit, feel free to travel to Hungary and then snap a selfie in front of any variety of here lies Attila the Hun signs. You know what I mean? Just point at a river. I'm there. Yeah, just point. You know what, man? Just point at a river. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's so morbid, but if you think about it, Someone has died in every river on this planet. I hope I didn't just ruin rivers for everyone. Yeah, but that water maybe keep, not every creek. Yeah, I was but every say, river. The water keeps flowing, so there we go. That one doesn't bother me as much. Lakes still though. Lakes. Did um, you should ask Scott Benjamin about this uh, before we go to break. We did an episode years and years back about 
how many cars have been found in lakes when they dry up just even 15 feet, 20 feet from the shoreline. It's disturbing. It's way more than you think. It yeah. Just in the U.S. Far, far more. All right. Well, let's go to the lake, everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, um, oh, I don't want to go on a tangent, but Lake Lanier up near where I grew up, there is some – there's some creepiness to that lake because it's man-made. It's all, you know, mm. it was flooded and everything. There are no natural lakes in Georgia. Yeah. That's true. And they – everyone talks about how there's supposedly a church down there and everything. And there are all these legends about what's at the bottom of this really murky, gross-looking lake. That is wonderful and I love Lake Lanier and go visit if you get a chance. Mm. But um, it just has this creepy quality to it. But I believe there's some sand to that, Matt, because there were structures there that were flooded. That's a true story, yeah. right? Yeah, but some of it is a little far-fetched in my eyes. Even if you look back at the historical record, mm-hmm. some of the things that come out are pure legend, but they're fun. I don't know. You know what? Let's have a creepy conversation about this off-air while we're playing a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, fine. No, that's fine. Yeah? Yeah, just agree to disagree. I'm I'm okay with that. All right. No, I think you're both wrong. Oh. <laughs> Sorry you had to see that. We have to remember that we're friends. We can't let these off-air conversations tear our friendship apart. You're right. Let me uh, apply a little bit more of this. Here we go. Hand and we sanitized. mentioned that Matt's on death's door right now, and he's still here for you. Well, By you, you I mean you, the you, listeners. He reminds me in many ways of Sir Francis Drake. Oh, me too. I remind myself you of remind Sir Francis Drake. I hope Drake. not. <laughs> So, okay, uh, well, who's <laughs> other than reminding everyone vaguely of, of our pal Matt Frederick, who is Sir Francis Drake? Well, he was this uh, 56-year-old guy that apparently, unfortunately, died. Uh, he was born in 1540. He lived until January 28th, 1596. Uh, and he was an English explorer who was involved in things such as, you might know, of piracy, illicit slave trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also became the second person ever to circumnavigate the globe. But his name, when you hear Sir Francis Drake, you, a lot of times, if you're not a big history buff, you just imagine, in my head, this explorer, um, this, I'm speaking personally here, because his name has been mentioned in so many video games and all these mm-hmm. things, but a lot of times you don't get the context, the full context, at least, of what uh, somebody like this, their life and what they did. Yeah, he did quite a bit he sailed around the globe when that was a big deal. <laughs> still is. Yeah. Right? It still is. Uh, he was acquainted with the halls of power. Is definitely not a not a great person, so don't fall for a lot of the romanticization you may read about Drake. His circumnavigation was also a pirate mission, technically. Yeah. Well, in a way, it almost kind of had to be. In this weird, messed up way. But I guess that's idea. That's the idea of I need to get supplies however I can get supplies. Oh, and this is good foreshadowing for what happens to him because his expedition was officially a journey for knowledge, a voyage of discovery. But he also had a secret agreement with Queen Elizabeth that along the way on this quote-unquote voyage of discovery, he would attack and uh, assault and terrorize the Spanish any way that he could, particularly if it meant disrupting their shipping routes. So as soon as they got into this Pacific, uh, he almost made it more of a priority to plunder Spanish ships and rob ports than he did to actually go all the way around the world. And he he stole a lot of stuff. He eventually returned home from that trip as the world's most wealthy pirate. He got knighted too for his uh, efforts, right, by the queen? Mm-hmm. He got knighted as well. Uh, and the Spanish king put a massive price on his head uh, from – because from 1570 until the end of his life, this guy's out to get the Spanish. And King Philip II uh, offered a bounty of 20,000 ducats for his head. That was the equivalent of millions of dollars today. Jeez. When he came back from his worldwide um, piracy escapades, you're right, Matt. Uh, he was knighted and then 
1588, he participated in the English defeat of the Spanish Armada and he went on to become a tremendously influential figure in his – even in his own day uh, and then he died. And that is where our story begins in 1596. At least with this one, we do know how he died. He died of dysentery. So no yeah. one's like secretly poisoned. No one's like uh, exploding blood face. He went out Oregon Trail style. He went out Oregon Trail style. <laughs> he did. He really did. And he never got to Oregon. No, not without trying though. So what did they do? Because the Spanish were on their backs. They hated this guy so much and for very good reason uh, that they were actively searching for his corpse. Because they wanted to like do stuff to it. Yeah, and then get the bounty from Mm -hmm. King Philip. Bring him – like bring him the head, but let's do some stuff to it first. Sure. So Drake had a a burial at sea um, as was custom for a a sailor type such as himself. Um, He was buried in a lead-lined coffin near the bay of Portobello. Um, a few miles off the coastline. It is supposed that his final resting place is near the wrecks of two British ships, the Elizabeth and the Delight, um, which scuttled in Portobello Bay. Yeah, yeah. He was planning on this in advance. He said, if I die, when I die, sink the ships, sink me too, bury me in a coffin in the, the dark depths of the ocean because I do not want those Spaniards to get their hands on me. He was also buried in full armor for his request because he, he really did – like his, his plan was that if these ships were purposely scuttled, if he were buried at sea in a lead-lined coffin to keep his remains from somehow rising, right, as they decay and separate, that he would be able to prevent the Spanish from finding and desecrating his remains. And that was his genuine – Fear, like, have you ever, anyone listening, have you ever been at a point in your life where you think there are people who are interested enough in your death that they would desecrate your body? I don't know. That seems strange. Uh, yeah, that's that's out there. But in his case, yeah, people would definitely want to desecrate his body. It's so um, like those those people are living very high stakes lives. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess the the whole point, I mean, I didn't even realize that you could seal, I guess, yeah, it's obvious you could seal a, a coffin at that point in time in history, mm-hmm. um, a lead-lined coffin, actually get that much of a seal where water isn't going to seep in, where um, the weight is going to keep him at the bottom. That's, um, that's intense, Francis Drake. I mean, excuse me, sir. <laughs> that's right. That man sailed around the world robbing people blind. Can't forget about that. Fast forward to 2011, there's a guy who owns sports teams. He's also a pirate enthusiast. He reads a book about uh, Francis Drake and he says, you know what? I'm going to find this fleet and this guy's body. This pirate enthusiast and sports team owner is named Pat Crochet, like Jim Crochet. And he claimed that he and a team of His treasure hunters had discovered two ships off the coast of Panama and the ships that they found, they believed to be the Elizabeth and the Delight, which you uh, mentioned earlier, Noel, Elizabeth being a 195-ton ship and Delight being a 50-ton ship. 
And as you know, most speculation places Drake's body in coffins somewhere in that area. And they focused on Portobello Bay after they hired a guy named Trevor McHenry to pinpoint areas where the ships might have gone down. But very quickly, they ran into a gray area when it comes to the protection of British shipwrecks, when it comes to anything from the Age of Empire. That's right. Under the Protection of Military Remains Act of 1986, British naval vessels anywhere in the world are protected from exploitation. However, there's one little caveat here. The uh, the act only covers certain ships which sunk since 1914 and only British citizens can be prosecuted under it, <laughs> which uh, is a bit of a problem. That right. right there. So there's a lot of history and ships that sailed before 1914. And if it's only British citizens, anybody else who's outside coming in mm-hmm. doesn't have to even worry about this. Yeah. So this is where they get to an interesting thing. Um, there's an organization called the Joint Nautical Archaeology Policy Committee. Sexy name, right? Mm. Still my heart. Uh, And they have been pressing the United Kingdom's government for years to ratify some international agreements on the protection of what they would call underwater cultural heritage. You know Mm. what I mean? So the guy in charge of the Joint Nautical Archaeology Policy Committee is a guy named Robert York. I don't know if he's a relation to Tom. But he told the BBC, if these are Drake's ships, they are presumably sovereign and immune. So why isn't the British government telling these people to go away? If we ratified the convention, we can make sure they were properly conserved and looked after. But Panama did ratify the convention, so its government might act to protect the wrecks of the ship. And what they mean when they say protect the wreck is not uh, not to allow – someone to attempt an excavation or to an to attempt an analysis of this site just because they want to, you know. Yeah. You have to have government approval, which can be really, really difficult. As we saw in our previous episode exploring the uh, lives and burials of Nefertiti and Cleopatra, people in the modern day can have a very, very difficult time trying to get government approval for any ancient site. And it makes sense. You don't want everybody to be able to just go somewhere and start digging, right? And as of this recording, it's weird because this was reported in 2011 and we tried, but we couldn't find much new information. So as of this recording, it appears Drake's body has yet to surface and his secrets, whatever they may be, remain safe in his watery grave. You just need somebody to go rogue and just go down there and find it against all the government's wishes. Just go and do it. Nicholas Cage. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're invoking you. And or who else is uh, famous for playing like Frogman and the Navy SEALs and stuff? Oh, we need um, uh, the body, Ventura. That's who we need. Jesse. Yeah, we need Jesse to go down there. And maybe Jason Statham can come. Mm-hmm. The Rock, we should just assemble a crack team of action um, stars. Just the expendables. Mm -hmm. Go. Find Sir Sir Francis Drake. Please. (laughs) I would watch it. It would be a different direction from them. I would definitely (laughs) watch it. Uh, And that's that's where the story of Drake's body ends for now. Uh, But so far, we have just been looking at the graves of famous dudes. 
uh, there is another mysterious lost grave here in the United States in uh, New England. Yeah, um, here's 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 the the, the broad strokes. Uh, Mary Dyer was born Mary Barrett um, in 1611. Uh, she was an English teacher and a colonial American Puritan who became a Quaker and who was hanged in the Boston, Massachusetts Bay Colony for repeatedly defying a Puritan law that banned Quakers from the colony. Um, she is one of the four executed Quakers known as the Boston Martyrs. It's it's a true story. It might not be familiar to a lot of people because she may not be famous in the current celebrity sense. You know, she's not on Instagram, right? But Mary Dyer was a tremendously important person in the world of religious freedom during her lifetime. Her sin was converting from Puritanism to Quakerism primarily because of uh, these do- uh, doctrinal differences – Quakers believe that people could interface directly with God or hear directly from God without needing um, an, a middle a middle layer, an intermediary like a clergyman or something. It's funny. In 2019, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal or that big of a difference. But my goodness, that is an entire paradigm shift for the power structure. Yeah. Whew. Right? Dangerous for, uh, dangerous for her. Mm-hmm. And this – yeah, this was a huge idea. It threatened the authority of the church leaders and they they were so threatened of this that they had already banned Quakers from living in Massachusetts. Dyer went into exile in Rhode Island but then she returned to Boston to support two friends who were imprisoned for their beliefs. All three were sentenced to death but then at the last moment they said, no, you're just banished. Get out of town. Don't return like the beginning of The Witch. Except Mary Dyer came back again speaking out for religious freedom. So she eventually was put to death. She was hanged. She was buried in an unmarked plot in 1660. And today we still don't know where the grave is. Was she buried, as some had said, in Boston Commons? Was her body stolen and interned on a family farm? Was it put to the wind? Mm. No Nobody one knows. knows. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Nobody knows. And then we have just one last thing. This is the thing that I don't know about you guys. It surprised me when I learned about it. Steve Jobs is buried in an unmarked grave. His family and he specifically requested it. Now we can't worship him. No, you still can. Oh, just I worship just look at for, my thing. Just yeah, just you, 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 we all worship up. him. We, we, we <laughs> worship him constantly, and we look at our phones all day long, and uh, these these laptops in front of us, or our, our watches. Well, it's the the worry was that people would go to his grave and either maybe desecrate it or just try to leave their own intrusive tributes. The thing is, this isn't this is in Silicon Valley, so many people feel that they have discovered the exact location, and they will swear it's confirmed. It's in a cemetery. Sorry. Do, do you think if they did give him a grave, it would have been made entirely of glass? I don't know. Like like the Apple Store, it would have looked like an Apple Store. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe. In a way, that's that's on brand, I guess. R.I.P. Steve Jobs, and that guy certainly was an innovator. But if you have you read any of the some of his quotes, terrible person seemed like a real oh, real pill. terrible person, real, real meanie, uh, falsely used handicap license to 
like car tags yeah. to so he could park in handicapped spaces. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to provide a counterpoint somewhere in here. Some um, kids he doesn't acknowledge. Steve Wozniak though. Kick puppies Steve on Wozniak's the reg. Wozniak's great. Apparently. Right? Was Wozniak okay? Was he the nicer of the two? Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's weird in their own way, right? It's true. I guess we'll do a show on Apple in the future. Tell us your Steve Jobs secrets. You know Isn't what it? else? Yeah. Uh, you know what else everyone is in their own way, Matt? Huh. Special. That's right. Uh-huh. Special. I was going to bring up some uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, exactly. Now that's a serious R.I.P. Seriously, Steve Jobs. I mean, I like my iPhone, but I could take him or leave him. Mr. Rogers. That guy was a national treasure. Oh, and fortunately, um, fortunately, we know. Mr. Rogers, uh, the the location of his resting place for the rest of these. And again, we've just scratched the surface here. The question remains, will we ever find any of these graves? You know, in some cases, yeah. In other cases, absolutely not because the people have been scattered into the wind. Their remains have been made into buttons. Their remains have been stolen by secret societies. That is true. Again, check out episode one. Uh, but we have to end on – some questions, uh, you know, we asked these earlier. What benefits do these searches have for modern human, human civilization? Is this a waste of money? Should we focus on feeding the people who are starving to death now? Those are loaded questions. <laughs> I know, I know. Or because we can spin it the other way. Or um, are we investing in the future by learning more about the past? Those are very – I think they're both very strong arguments. Sure. I, I asked this question when we did the Genghis Khan episode. I, I, it feels to me very much like a waste of time. Like who cares? But then you pointed out very correctly, Ben, that it does – there are artifacts that could uh, teach us things about the past that are – there to be discovered potentially. Um, I was more hung up on the idea of having to know, having to have the answers and understand, you know, be in control in some way. But I, I see both sides. I, th- um, I think you guys are forgetting about all the gold. There's a lot of gold. The ducats? Silver buried under these the rivers and, and next to the ships. We got to find that gold. Maybe the heart of the ocean is down there. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The Corps de la Mer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, don't uh, don't lose hope, though, because as for the odds of finding these long forgotten resting places and these corpses that have disappeared, uh, we can end on a somewhat less bleak note. We do find these things. I can't believe I forgot to mention this last episode. We recently discovered uh, another famous royal body, King Richard III himself, the hunchback of Shakespearean fame. Uh, his body was lost to antiquity until 2012 when somebody found it underneath a parking lot. It's That's not a joke. That's We're not, not kidding. Joke. Yeah. That's real. That's real. He also to, di- didn't really have a hunchback. Yeah. Um, th- this kind of thing has occurred a couple of times, not necessarily with a king or someone of this stature, mm-hmm. but an interesting unmarked grave that was found underneath a building somewhere where there's just been a building for a couple of decades and it just happened to get cemented over or in this, you know, whatever case, uh, bricked over or wooded over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wooded over, paved over, bricked over. Whatever it is. Built atop. Yeah, and this is in a way an inspiring optimistic thing. We want to hear your stories and we want to hear what your take is. Is this worthwhile? Is this a waste of time? There is 
clearly more out there. Uh, what what are some of the mysteries maybe in your neck of the global woods? Or if you were a treasure hunter, an adventurer, an archaeologist, what would be your number one quest? What would be your Oak Island money pit, for instance, and why? You can let us know on Facebook at our community page. Here's where it gets crazy when you can, where you can talk to the best part of this show, your fellow listeners. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Ben Bolin. Or you can follow me at Embryonic Insider. I think Matt chooses to stay off the personal gram. That's correct. And our show Instagram is at Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can call us. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. Honestly, uh, just in full disclosure to everyone, I haven't checked that number in a little while, so I'm going to go do that this weekend. Are we due for another voicemail episode? Those are fun. Probably, hopefully. I think we should knock one out. I like it. Let's make a six-parter. Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll just release it over the course of the year. Got to feed the (laughs) content monster. (laughs) All right. Uh, So if you don't want to do any of those things, send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota 